Welcome to The Closing Room, brought to you by Capital Title Insurance Agency. The Closing Room is an interview show where our guests are other professionals in the real estate services industries who all have the same goal, help the customer get to The Closing Room. I'm your host, Tom Lico, and my co-host today is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Capital Title, Lisa R. Hey, Lisa, Happy New Year. How are we doing? Hey, Tom. Happy New Year to you. Doing great. All right. Is it how, how far into the year can we say Happy New Year? Is it middle of the year? Or I think till my birthday. Till your birthday? Okay. <laughs> and that's the end of January, right? Right. We got that month. All right. Holidays went well. Spent time with the kids and the family. Yeah, I did. I actually went, I did a little trip to Texas just before Christmas. So yeah, it was really oh, fun. Good some, time. A little warm weather too. Yeah. Well, we're going to go a little cold weather today. We're going to head up north to uh, Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, so can you please introduce today's guest for us? Sure. He's been doing this real estate thing for 32 years, and for the past 20 years, he's been in the top 1% of all realtors in America. He's funny, he's unconventional, and he knows everyone in town. He also has his own radio show every Saturday morning called Ask the Real Estate Guy with Jack Lane. Please welcome Jack Lane. Welcome, Jack, and thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure uh, to be here. I see uh, in your 1950s kitchen up in downtown Traverse City, right? Right downtown. The parades begin directly in front of my house. Oh, that's awesome. So right uh, down. So you can't get around town at, uh, uh, in July, can you? I can. I got a bike or I got to walk. <laughs> well, Happy New Year and congratulations on an outstanding 2020. And on behalf of Capital Title, we do want to thank you uh, for your business. I do want to just jump right in and talk about the uh, hot real estate market that is in uh, Traverse City in Northern Michigan. And what I'm curious about is, you know, due to the pandemic, you know, our new work from anywhere culture, are you seeing an influx of buyers of people relocating to Traverse City to enjoy that lifestyle every day? So as you know, I do a radio show every week. I uh, have been doing that for about 20 years. And this is a question that has dominated the last year. Um, in a normal year, the Traverse City market, the greater Northwest Michigan market in a normal year is comprised of 15 to 20% of the market are people moving here. The rest of the market, the rest of the 80, 80 to 85% are locals making life moves, right? Uh, up, upgrading, down, downsizing, uh, moving across town, um, uh, moving out of the water, moving off the water, buying a condo. 80 to 85% of our market is locals. Last year, now this is anecdotal because nobody, nobody actually uh, documents this, but last year and speaking among uh, my buddies in the business and looking at all the business I did, about 90% of our market was outsiders moving here, which yeah. is mind boggling. It mm. is such a disruption in the normal pattern of the market. And what we can track is the demographic that is moving here. So last year, our average sale went, 2019, by the way, previous year, was the record-setting year of all time, the best year on record. Last year, the average sale went from $297,000 to $370,000. Wow. Now, this is not to say that across the board, everything went up 25 to 30%. That's not what happened. 
buyers came and bought more expensive properties. When the remote worker phenomena uh, came at us and hit us, um, I, I had been talking about this for a long, long time on my radio program because the technology for remote work has been around for 20 to 25 years. Nobody saw COVID coming, but COVID forced industry into building platforms and protocols for the remote worker. And they're never gonna put that, that back in the bottle. Um, we went prior to last year across the entire US workforce, 2% of workers work remotely. It's estimated that once the world returns to normal, the percentage of, of remote workers will be somewhere around 25%. Yeah. It was between 2% and 25% in a country of 330 million, of which there are, uh, I can't remember the numbers right off the top of my head because I don't have that data in front of me, but long and short of it is, you are talking about an increase of somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 million people being able to work and live wherever they care to. Don't have to be in New York City. There are two major things that they need. They need good Wi-Fi and they need a jet airport somewhere nearby. When you look at all of the Northern hemisphere to be, uh, I'm sorry, the Northern part of the country to be certain. And really, I think across the entire country, North or South, Traverse City is, if it's not at the top of the list, it's awfully close to the top of the list. We're talking about 30 some million people moving someplace. So the demand here, everybody always loved the idea of living in Traverse City to begin with. Mm -hmm. The demand now is off the charts. I, I just went through um, yesterday, was the first nice waterfront property that's come on the market for this year. I was curious about this because we haven't seen a waterfront property come on in, since just before the holidays. Uh, and by that, I mean somewhere around uh, December 20th. So it's been not quite a month, but almost. And I was curious about the appetite because the holidays does tamp down our market. But this was the first one out of the gate. And was this going to continue the craziness that went on last year? So the market, uh, the house was available to be shown, $765,000 of the asking price. It was first made available to be shown on Wednesday. This is Friday. They are going to take final offers on Sunday. My guess is there's going to be 12 to 14 offers. $765 is the asking price. I don't have a dog in the hunt now. Uh, my client said, yeah, I, I can't. Can't be part of the bidding war. And I said, don't think you're ever going to live in Trevor City then. <laughs> so $765 is the asking price. My guess is eight and a quarter to 840 is where it's going to end up. And so here with the very first one out of the gate, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal year again. It's going to be very interesting to see. So, so one of the little downsides, I, I don't know if you call it a downside, but one of the interesting parts of our market, last year, most of the local people, as I said, stayed where they were. They didn't participate in what was a record setting market despite the fact that we took three months off. So if another year goes by that is largely outsiders moving in, you wonder if psychologically the locals who comprise the majority of the market all these years are gonna start to feel that they are priced into staying where they are. Mm. So it's gonna be an interesting, uh, real estate's a fascinating, fascinating yeah. 
Are these people, uh, non-locals, are they coming, is it from lower Michigan or are they coming from Chicago or throughout the country, do you see? It's a great question. So historically, um, as the auto industry went, so went Traverse City. You're talking about real estate in the 60s, 70s, 80s. In the 90s, we began to see a little bit wider than that. We saw people from St. Louis, um, historically for, for a really interesting reason. We've always had people from Cincinnati. From Cincinnati, uh, you said? Yeah, from Cincinnati of all places. And uh, everybody- Chili to cherries, right? <laughs> could be. Uh, everybody that I talked to says the reason for that was Traverse City was the end of the line uh, when the railroads first started. Cincinnati has been coming here since the early 1900s. So at any rate, in the 90s, we began to see it, it widen out. Once we got into the 2000s, very, very common to deal with people from California, from Texas, from Washington. Uh, people all over the country. Before COVID hit, we were beginning to not raise an eyebrow when the buyer was from France or, or Sweden or England. Um, so once travel restrictions are lifted, the demand is just going to be phenomenal. And, and the supply up here, you're going to see a lot of new subdivisions built this year, but those will be the first wide-scale subdivisions that have been built since 2007, since the financial crisis. So it's been a long, long time since people were pouring a bunch of supply into the market. But we are so far out of whack in terms of supply and demand. Prices are gonna go up, 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 up. It's, it's, it's a really interesting time. There is so much opportunity throughout Northern Michigan right now. So Jack, with um, all this increase of you know people moving into the area, is there any concern about Traverse City losing its small town charm or becoming a big city? Or so I had a uh, I had a nice phone call with a childhood friend just last night, um, who has moved away. He lives in Pennsylvania now, and uh, he was lamenting like people do. Ah, oh, Traverse City is not what it used to be. Um, so I am one of the youngest of nine kids. And when I wanted to go, and I grew up here in Traverse City, we grew up over on the west side. When I wanted to go visit one of my friends who lived over on the east side, my choices were to walk or to walk. <laughs> so I walked back and forth, miles and miles and miles to my best buddy in seventh, eighth and ninth grade lived uh, about four and a half miles from my house. So I'd walk over to his house and then I'd walk back and always walking either along the bay or through town on my way back to the house. When I was a kid growing up, along the bay was not all beaches and wide open spaces. There were five different entities. There was an office building, there were the coal docks, there were canning companies. So that was when, when I talk to people who get all nostalgic, oh, Traverse City isn't what it used to be. No, it isn't. And thank God for that. Uh, Traverse City, when I was downtown, now think about this. I, I know most of your audience uh, probably comes to Traverse City every so often. When I was a kid growing up downtown, there was not a single tree on Front Street. Wow. Now there's a tree. Uh, we did the um, yeah. streetscape project in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And those trees are, are beautiful uh, pear trees, as a matter of fact. Um, probably every 80 feet or so. And it, it's, an, it's a gorgeous part. So downtown Traverse City is more beautiful and more cool than it has ever been. And it is one of 
our community's biggest responsibilities to pay attention to the aesthetics because the aesthetics are why people come here. That's why people retire here. It's, it's a huge, huge part of our industry. They're not gonna take that. I'm looking at the bay right now at the window here. They're not gonna take the bay away anytime soon. The beaches aren't gonna go away anytime soon. It's up to us to do a good job of stewarding that. And I'm really happy to say that uh, for the 40 years or so that I've been somewhat of an adult, uh, they've made really good choices. And, and Trevor City is a really cool place. Will yep. it lose a small town feel? No, I don't think so. Yeah. <clears throat> because the town is only, it's, it's the same size as far as the, the downtown area. You know, yeah, so we're, real, we're constricted where the city mm -hmm. limits are. And uh, mm -hmm. when I grew up as a kid, there were 12,000 people. We're talking about back in the early 60s. Um, there were 12,000 people at that time. Today, if you look uh, statistically, there's like 15,500 people. No. What we think of as Traverse City, back when it was 12,000 people, if you drew a ring five miles around Traverse City, there were 12,000 people. That was it. <laughs> Uh, today, if you draw a ring five miles around Traverse City, it's about 110,000 people. It clearly will be 200,000 people at some point. You'll see, have you ever been up to the Commons, uh, the old state hospital up here? Yeah, yeah. So one of, the, one of the joys of going to the big cities around our country, New York City, is really probably 15 different little villages all tied up in one, right? Go to Soho, to the village, to the upper yeah. east to Manhattan, the Times Square district. Same thing, uh, San Francisco is probably seven or eight different little villages. And if you're yeah, out- Neighborhoods, night, yeah. Yeah, if you were out for a night, you might go from one to the other. Well, the commons uh, of Traverse City, where the state hospital used to be, that you come back in five years, that will be, it already is, but it will be more recognizable as its own little, little village, yeah. if you will. Um, so as we grow, I hope that our zoning people stay on top of the aesthetics and, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, self-driving cars, which, which are now out there, are going to eliminate a whole bunch of our uh, uh, traffic problems, yeah. parking problems. So it's, it's an exciting time to be here. And it's getting cooler by the minute. And I say this as somebody who grew up here. Yeah, that's awesome. That's just got here. You know, it's funny. A lot of people, they have this uh, distorted version of what the, the waterfront, historically the waterfront anywhere, downtown Detroit, Traverse City, that was industry was there. Yeah. You know, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't beaches. It wasn't viewing. It was, that's where industry was. That's where the ports were. That's how, you know, the, the factories were. It's so, yeah, it is, it's prettier than ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Clinch Park, uh, which I'm overlooking right now, uh, which is this beautiful beach when people are up here for the fireworks. Yeah. Clinch Park was the town dump. And <laughs> they burned the garbage. So my house is the second house off the bay. Um, when I bought this house 22, 23 years ago, I was surprised that historically the porch was on, on, away from the bay. I was yeah. like, why, why, did, why would they have built the porch looking at the bay? Well, because the winds blew the smoke from the garbage dump because this house was built in the 1890s. Yeah. They blew the garbage dump smoke this way. So the porch is back here. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the reclamation of waterfronts across the country is a fabulous story in itself. Yeah. yeah. Let, let me ask you this. You know, I, I've listened to your show in Utah. I know you go uh, to Key West. I think every winter for uh, time away, get some, get right. some sun and warm. 
And, uh, and you draw a lot of comparisons between Traverse City and Key West. Can you, can you tell us about that? You kind of see like Traverse City is Key West like 10 years behind, you know, as far as um, development. More likely 20, 25 years behind. Okay. Uh, so there are a couple of places throughout the country where people go there and they go, oh, that's magical. Uh, Key West is magical. Anybody who's been to Key West um, and gotten away from Duval Street and all the drinking, uh, <laughs> Key West is a magical place. Um, Key West, in my mind, is the perfect mashup of Traverse City's vibe and Mackinac Island's vibe. Mm -hmm. But instead of, of fudge and horse manure, it's roosters and margaritas. It's, it, but it's, it's such a great vibe down there. Um, they have been going through, Key West was, really took off in the 1990s. It had its heyday and then in the 80s, it was, uh, I'd love to get my time machine and go back and buy everything I could in the 80s down there. But it, it took off in the 90s and it has been on a rocket ride since. So I like to look at other communities that have gone through this rocket ride that we now have begun and, and see what happened, like Coronado, California, Aspen, Colorado, Telluride, Colorado, Montauk, New York, Key West, and see what happened to them. Did, they, did prices go up and then go down? Did prices go up and then level off? Uh, what's happened? What has happened in all of these places is there are spikes up and then it's gradual appreciation for a period. And then another dramatic spike up and then a gradual appreciation. There is no period where it goes down. Now, I know that your viewers are going to go, what are you talking about? Do you, do you remember 2008, 2009? I do. That was a national malaise that happened. Right. That was not a locally driven uh, uh, event that happened in their markets. So same thing is going to happen here. Um, my people who chose not to get in the bidding war said, 765, that's, that's nonsense. I relayed the story. I really, really wanted to pull the trigger on buying a place in Key West um, back in about 2005, but I, yeah, I couldn't quite cough up the money because I thought it was it was way, way more expensive than Trevor City. There was a house that I wanted for $575,000. It fit the bill. Everything about it was perfect. I just couldn't bring myself to buy at the top of the market, even though I'd been in real estate a long time at that point. Now, 15 years later, the very same house is 1.5 million. Wow. And so I it goes from, people get stuck when the, it needs to be buy low, sell high, but in these markets, it's really, it's buy high, sell higher. That's exactly <laughs> right. Real estate is not the stock market. Right. And, and I need to get this point across to people. Um, we just went through that, the great recession. It just, it just ended eight years ago. So people remember it. I think, oh no, real estate prices can come down. They can They can if something dramatic happens, but here's what I told people all this year. If something dramatic happened that caused real estate so dramatic throughout the, either the US economy or more likely the uh, international economy, so dramatic that it caused real estate prices to come down, you will still do better in real estate than you will in the stock market. Because if there's a shock wave that goes through, I would much rather be in real estate than the stock market. So there's your worst case scenario. Yeah. The more likely scenario is the one I just told you. You can't quite bring yourself to be the idiot who spends 575. And so now the price is 1.5. Yeah. That's, that's where we're headed. Okay.
Yeah. So what made you what made you take the leap into real estate 32 years ago? <laughs> uh, I tried to write novels for a living. Oh. Which my mother uh, told me I I lost track after about 2,000 times was a really poor idea. <laughs> so uh, I tried to write novels. I moved out to California and tried to uh, write for TV, and I had. Uh, what can laughingly be called modest success doing it. And then I had a child and that child looked up at me and knew that I was gonna provide for him forever. And then I had another and uh, I decided it was time to do something real. So my wife wanted to, uh, who also grew up in Traverse City, insisted that we live in Traverse City, not in California or anywhere else. So um, my choices were pretty limited because when I decided I wanted to be a writer, I was 19 and there was no need to go to college. So I looked around at things that I could do to earn the kind of living that I felt capable of. And uh, I, I'm almost not ashamed, but horrified to say this because it remains to this day. Real estate has a really low uh, entry barrier, five days, start to finish, and then you got to get a D minus or better on your test. And I was able to accomplish both. <laughs> so there I was in real estate. Uh, and it turned out to, to suit me wonderfully. Uh, I love real estate. And I was in a conversation a couple of months ago about, about how we all feel about our industries. A bunch of my friends are doctors, uh, a couple are lawyers, um, not too many. I'm one of the rare entrepreneurs in the core group of friends that I grew up with. We've all been buddies since we were 14. Um, real estate and helping people find the perfect setting for them, the perfect house for them, really is a wonderful uh, thing to do for a living. And I wasn't altogether too happy with my choice when I first went into it. Uh, you know, I had been a real dreamy, idealistic uh, writer. And it just seemed like I was joining the enemy or call it what you want. It took me a long time to come around to, to understand how wonderful it is. And all the friendships that I have with, I've sold 1,600 some houses now. Um, all the friendships walking up and down the street that I encounter and I, when I go past their house or they invite me over to their house, it's, that's how I got into real estate. Couldn't write a good, good enough selling novel. <laughs> And this was the easy thing to get into. And it's an area you knew because you grew up here, right? Exactly right. My mother was a very good realtor. Uh, I saw the kind of money that she made. Hmm. And uh, she was one of the area's uh, top realtors. Did it entirely, surrounded people with motherly love. And mm -hmm. I was 32 years old. And I had none of that. She used to look at me and go, why, why aren't you able to take care of people the way that I take care of people? Like, what are you talking about? You're... You're, you're everybody's favorite grandmother. I, at 32, <laughs> I can't quite pull that off. So, so let me ask you with that, what, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? Or if you could go back in time uh, to yourself 32 years ago, what advice you know, would, you, would you give yourself? I know this, the, the answer might shock some people, but, but here's the answer. And I don't have two or three or five things I'd say. This is the one thing that I would say. Honesty means everything. Honesty means everything. I grew up in a very, very competitive family. Um, I was boy number five out of six, kid number six out of nine. 
and we were all type A personalities and we competed constantly. And honesty was, and I love all my siblings, I'm not calling anybody out here. <laughs> honesty was not all that important when you were trying to get what you wanted in a family situation, whether it was use of the car, use of the bike, uh, didn't matter what it was. It was, you were taught to, to, uh, to win, you know, to do what was necessary to win. When I first got into real estate, I was convinced because I'd seen a couple of movies about this, that it was a shark eat shark world. And the reality is it's not. There are a couple of realtors who are like that, but the spirit of cooperation, I, I have created a couple of things within our market um, designed solely to foster cooperation among the top realtors here. One's called Secret Agents, where once a week we, we get together and we go around the table and we talk about, about listings that we have coming up, uh, buyers that we have, and we try to match things before they hit the market, right? It's a really good way to sell real estate. As it turns out, it's a really, really great way to foster cooperation among the top realtors. So there's, there is so much more honesty and transparency and cooperation because of, of some things like that. But honesty, here's what I, when a realtor, I mentor a few realtors. And when they come to me, I tell them, when you are selling, how you say something means everything in the world. First and foremost, it has to be the truth. It has to be the truth. Yeah. If it's not the truth, just throw it out because you're never gonna sell anything that doesn't have the element of the truth. You can sell somebody a car or a sweater because they buy it that day and they drive it off the lot or they buy it and they take it out of the store. You can fool somebody in a process like that. When somebody's buying a piece of property, there's a 30 to 45 day period. You might fool them on day one, but they're gonna call you and say, hey, I'm out of that deal. You've wasted your time. You've spent a whole bunch of your reputation in a tawdry, horrible way. Has to be the truth. But once you have a hold of the truth, how you say it means everything in the world. So I would say, if I was gonna advise anybody getting into real estate, honesty and dealing in the truth, always, always, always pays dividends. And it took me about five years and one really embarrassing situation to, <laughs> to find that truth for myself. I'm, I'm sorry to say, I'd like to have those five years back. Yeah. And so being in the, having been in the business for 32 years, what, what's the biggest mistake that you see um, realtors make? I see them rush past uh, uh, the truth. Um, I tell anybody who ever works for me, rule number one, shut up be quiet stop talking <laughs> be quick stop talking I'll, I'll give you a perfect example uh, because i know people who have been in the business 30 and 40 years who still don't understand it almost every realtor is somebody with an outgoing personality it's what draws them into the business once in a blue moon you see a curmudgeon in the business and it's always <laughs> funny to me when you encounter that it's like what are you doing in the business your, your sword is not supposed to be here Part of being an outgoing personality is that you like to talk and most outgoing personalities don't like silence. And if they encounter silence, why I've got endless shtick to fill up that silence. Silence is a really important part of, of sales in real estate. So here's my example. When I'm selling a waterfront home, I do two things. These are little realtor tricks then I don't use them to trick people. I do it because 
it's it's a perfect way to sell waterfront realty. When I'm showing a waterfront listing, I always show up 10 minutes late because while they are there waiting for me, here's what they always do 100% of the time. They walk down to the water and they drink it all in without somebody looking over their shoulder. Yap, 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 and saying stu stupid stuff. They just drink it all in. The whole reason they would buy that place, they drink it all in. So, okay, I show up. Oh, I'm sorry, I was late, been real busy, blah, blah, blah. Then we walk in, and when we walk in, after I've said hello to them before we walk in, when we walk in, I walk to the big picture window overlooking the water. And I stand there, and I don't say anything. So here's an interesting thing about humans. There's a lot of psychology when it comes to selling real estate. If you walk, they will walk along with you. And I just walk over and I, I, I look at it. Now, I'm not being false. I also look at it and go, oh my God, this is beautiful. <laughs> I, I say it internally. I don't say it out loud. But I, I look around and I'm taking it in and they can feel me taking it in. They walk and stand next to me and do the same thing. So exactly this thing that happened. This was a $1.2 million deal. And this was at least 15 years ago. So 1.2 was near the top of the market. I walk in and it was one of those situations where the listing realtor is compelled to be there, which is a terrible idea. Listing realtor should never be there. I get that they have things they need to convey, convey that to me before I, the other realtor, go show it. I have a relationship with my buyer. I know how to handle my buyer. I know where the silence rises and falls. The listing realtor does nothing but get in the way of that. It's like taking your mom to prom. <laughs> not a good idea. I know she's been to her proms. I know she understands everything. Still not a good idea. Don't take mom to prom. The listing realtor should not be there. The listing realtor gets in the way. Listing realtor happens to be a longtime friend of mine. In fact, I was the one who talked him into the business years and years ago. So I do what I do. I, I walk over in this particular uh, spot. We're looking at the beach and there's a pool. And I walk over, and so the doctor that I was with walks with me right to the window. And we are looking over the whole thing, being quiet. And I finally, after a moment of quiet, I say, can you imagine his oldest son? Actually, I shouldn't use real names here. Let's say his oldest son's name was Bill. I said, can you imagine? He was in 10th grade. He was a good friend of my uh, son. I said, can you imagine Bill and the crew with this swimming pool and that beach? And he goes, I was just thinking about that. We almost could have written the offer there without even looking at the house. I knew <laughs> the whole thing. From the kitchen, the other realtor goes, Jack, I, I want to tell you that um, there's a section of the roof that uh, is being replaced. And, and we got the, the new heating system is coming. And we're trying to figure out uh, what's going on with the water heater. But, but believe me, it'll all... Five minutes later, we were back in the car. And we were that deal never happened. So, and why not? For a whole bunch of reasons. You don't talk function on a first date. Yeah. Fun function is for a second showing after they love the place. He completely violated the silence that was going on. It was perfect at that moment. Yeah. Literally, there was, there was no question this guy's going to buy the house. And then it's all blown up. So, what I tell other realtors is be quiet. That's interesting. Not for a long way. Good advice. That's something uh, in sports. I know you're a big sports fan. The, the sports cast, sportscasters have learned to do in a big moment when there's that walk-off home run or the whatever. Let it, and the, it, let it roll. Just be quiet. 
showed pan the crowd, them going crazy, the players going crazy, and they're silent. And, unless, uh, unless the Giants have won the pennant. Alexa, nobody was talking to you. Shut up. <laughs> or she the Dan Dickerson, the Tigers are going to the World Series. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but you're exactly right. Let it roll. Let it wash over. Let the moment wash over the viewer. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that. There's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of fun psychology in real estate. Um, but that's one of them. Show up 10 minutes later. It's a waterfront listing. Show up 10 minutes later. Make it a routine. Show up 10 minutes late. Nothing bad will happen there. I've never shown up 10 minutes late and had somebody say, well, we love this place, but we're not buying it because you were 10 minutes late. <laughs> right, yeah. Let them absorb it. I want to yeah. take a moment to, to uh, plug your, your radio show. You're on, uh, t- tell us about that and how that got started. It's uh, called Ask the Real Estate Guy with Jack Lane. Uh, it's on Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 on News Talk 580, which is AM 580. So uh, you can listen to it on the internet or on any of your handheld devices. On the internet, uh, you go to wtcmradio.com, click uh, AM 580, and then click listen live. Uh, I do podcast it, so it shows up on my website, which is jacklaneteam.com. Typically, about a week after after the show, we get it up there on the podcast. Um, it's It's a fun hour. It yeah. is ostensibly a show about real estate, but we talk about baseball, of course. Right. We talk about local history. We talk about uh, some of the backstories. Uh, because I was one of the younger kids, I knew not only all of my parents' friends, but all of my older siblings' friends. And I know most of the backstories in Traverse City uh, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s uh, going forward. And some of them are really interesting. So, and I, I listen to it through uh, TuneIn Radio. Yeah, yeah. So I stream TuneIn Radio through the uh, my Alexa. I don't want to say that too loud. <laughs> and, faster, good for you. And uh, or on my uh, if I'm, I'm running some errands in the morning on, through my phone and connect that through the car so I can you know listen to it that way. Yeah, yep. TuneIn Radio, uh, WTCM, uh, AM five eighty. Uh, it's a fun show. It's it's a yeah. lot all in show and uh, and we have a lot of fun on that show. Yeah, I I enjoy it a lot. All right, now it's time for our Up Close From a Distance segment. All right, this is where we take a minute to get to know you a little better while maintaining our social distance. All right. I'm going to ask you 10 questions, and I need the first answer that comes to your mind, and you have 60 seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. If I gave you a $100,000 budget, what kind of car would you buy? Uh, Old Mercedes. Would you rather watch a baseball game at Fenway Park or Wrigley Field? You, that's tough because I've been to both and uh, Wrigley has Fenway beat by a, an eyelash. They're both great, great. Okay. Uh, did you ever see a Detroit Lions game at Tiger Stadium? No, I never did. No. Uh, best concert you ever attended? Um, might be my first one. I went to uh, uh, the Masonic Theater. Is that what it's called? Masonic yeah, Theater? Masonic Temple, yeah. By Sonic Temple and saw America. Oh, yeah. Uh, what radio station is on in your car right now? Uh, I go back and forth. Uh, Bloomberg Radio, uh, I find to be fairly objective and, and really forward or, or a good explanation of business. So, Bloomberg Radio. Favorite city to visit in the U.S. besides Trevor City? Key West. <laughs> Key West. That's easy. Have you ever stowed away in a railroad car? 
uh, many, many times. I uh, rode, uh, I rode thousands of miles on the rails back. We in could, the day. we could do another whole show on that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Are you better on the guitar or the keyboards? Um, I'm better on the guitar. Uh, people who I don't, I played the guitar for 50 years. I played them both for about 50 years, but uh, significantly better on the guitar, but. There are people who think that the piano sounds better. I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> All right, here's, uh, do the Tigers win at least 70 games this year? Yes, of course, of course. Uh, actually, this is going to be a growing year. It's going to be really interesting to see a couple of people bloom. But 2022, I expect us to be in the playoffs two I years. So. I hope so. All right, and our last question, if you were a Major League Baseball player, what would be your walk-up song? Oh, I don't know. I've never <laughs> really thought about uh, uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh, good. All right. Well, hey, you got 10 out of 10, so you win our home version of the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if any of our viewers are looking to buy or sell in northern Michigan, what's the best way to get a hold of the Jack Lane team? So jacklaneteam.com, uh, phone number, which we answer seven days uh, a week because once the season is on, we're working 80 hours a week. Uh, 231-995-0000. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. And thank you again, Jack, for being our guest. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. It was very nice. And uh, again, Saturday mornings, 8 to 9, WTCM 580 Talk Radio on TuneIn Radio. You can stream it. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Capital Title, for making this possible. And to our viewers, hang on for a few seconds to view our humorous meme of the week. And we hope to see you next time in the closing room.